You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms. Now, Savage has just released their new shotgun called the Renegade. The Renegade is tough, reliable, and ready for anything. Whether you're busting clays, dropping ducks, or whacking turkeys, Renegade is built to withstand tough use in extreme conditions. For more information about the Renegade shotgun, visit savagearms.com slash renegade welcome to the land and legacy podcast we're your hosts adam keith and matt die this is your number one resource for all things land if you're interested in conservation habitat management hunting strategy and rural real estate this is the podcast for you Hey guys, before we get this podcast kicked off, I wanted to remind you of an awesome promotion from Vortex Optics. It's 40% off for all you frontline medical personnel. Head over to vortexoptics.com. This promotion lasts for 60 days and it started on April 27th, 2020. So don't want to miss it if you are um, frontline medical personnel. And that's also a big thank you from Landon Legacy to you guys. Uh, for doing all that you do during this weird, weird time in our lives. Also, be sure to utilize the code LEGACY20 on Vortex for all apparel. That gets you guys the newest and the latest headwear apparel through Vortex. LEGACY20 is the code to use. Okay, so we have... Oh, we're right in the heart of turkey season. I guess this podcast is going to release on the during the third week, and we've been at it. Man, it's been a crazy good turkey season for us. Um, just a quick recap before we jump into today's podcast, which has nothing to do with turkey season, is uh, how many turkeys do we have on film right now? A lot. Oh, it's like <laughs> eight that. or nine or something like that, uh, enough yeah. to, to span out till the end of turkey season, and... Um, this is a reminder, too, to go over to our YouTube channel, Land and Legacy, um, and subscribe, please, 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 because we're dropping more videos. Uh, we've got some in the can right now. We're getting ready to drop this week. So uh, a lot of our turkey hunts from this spring, so we're going kind of a little semi-live action at you, and uh, you guys don't want to miss those out. Kicking it off with Mr. Trace Harker first, and then we're diving into a bunch of hunts. And so uh, it's been really good. It's been an interesting and unique turkey season. Um, and uh, just overall, uh, <laughs> I mean, we couldn't ask for a better turkey season. It seems like every time one of our guys goes out, whether it's us or Seth or Seth and his family, something gets laid down on film. So pretty stinking awesome. 
it's definitely been fun, especially going into this last week, knowing, hey, we've already had success. There's, there's not this big push for, for um, trying to get something on film, but we're still out trying to enjoy some hunts. And, and Chad and I were trying to roost some turkeys tonight, and it was just – we just like it was just silence for ten minutes. Right as the sun was setting, it's like this is gorgeous. This is so beautiful out here, and it was kind of that. I love springtime, and if you're missing out on turkey hunting, you're missing out on an incredible time to enjoy creation. Because holy cow, it was just a yeah. beautiful, beautiful night. I love it. You know, I hear. I think when people talk a lot about hunting. They talk about the mornings and everything waking up. And I think if you were to pin me in a corner or push me in a corner and tell me I had to say my favorite time of the year, and it's it's changed because I used to love the month of April the best. Um, but it seems like the inconsistency of heat, ticks, and all that stuff um, that November, kind of the last part of October and November are definitely my favorite period of the year but i absolutely love sunset in april like before mm-hmm. like you get in that golden hour oh my gosh last night i was at the farm and it was just amazing how how beautiful it was uh with that sun starting to set and everything was just golden uh just golden colored and oh probably my favorite time i think if i was pinned to say it might be my favorite time of the year um, in, in, in if you're putting it into hours. Yeah, it's it's hard to beat, especially when you have that beautiful, cool, mid-60-degree temperature and it just starts to drop. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess we it. should introduce that, that Chad's also here. Yeah, he's just being quiet over here. Before so he chimes here, in and everybody's like, whoa, <laughs> who's that? Who that guy? Who that guy? But at the same time... I'm pretty certain because I get this comment so much that I could just pause and Chad could just pick up talking and people probably wouldn't even notice from what everybody it's, tells it's me. It's not Chad. It's Chainsaw Chad, by the way. Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, and the same thing with you, Matt. I've had that comment a couple of times uh, where guys are like, man, you guys sound so much alike. And it's just like, is it just a rot a revolving door uh, basically where it doesn't matter which three are here or which two are here because we all sound the same i guess huh. maybe well anyway uh, all i know all i know is this <clears throat> this podcast today is going to be pretty hot it's going to it's probably going to uh make a lot of people reevaluate things so we're kind of taking a, a, a unique little angle and, and getting maybe a little personal as we're talking about why are you buying that (laughs) it's It's like but but it but at the same time as we see and talk to so many different hunters and this that and like they've expressed goals and they've expressed um what they want to be able to accomplish whether it's just recreational hunting you know all these different things and, and and knowing that they have land and want to manage it though too and then they just get all into this weird pinch of i can't afford that or i don't have time to do that it's like <laughs> you know what we we really ought to just do a podcast of literally why are you buying that and, and we're not gonna in the podcast be naming specific brands and stuff like that but just a, more of a general oh we're not oh, dang i'm gonna have to <laughs> throw my notes out yeah throw them out scratch them please follow it up but 
it's more why why are you spending time to in, in purchasing that type of gear when when your goal is this and and making the side by side comparison of here's two hundred dollars this two hundred dollars is going to get you way more farther down the road of your goals accomplishing them than if you go and buy or spend two hundred dollars on a, a new trail camera or something yeah title of the podcast i don't know what we're going to title it but i'm sure it's going to maybe probably be why are you buying that um, yeah and um it almost would kind of go in a little bit of why are you doing that um, towards the end of this podcast? Because so we're consultants. Uh, we've got a consulting company, Land and Legacy. If you haven't figured that out by yet, uh, by now. Um, but and so we assess landowners across the country or assess their property, working with landowners and finding out what their goals are. And within those goals, it's always a how do we achieve those goals with the quickest in the quickest amount of time at the least with the littlest amount of money. I mean, that's the dream, right? To have, to have this amazing farm and not have to spend a fortune to do it. I, I, I would assume that's what most people would want to do. That's how I look at it. A lot of it is just efficiency, efficiency of your time and your resources, which is your money. And, and but this is, this is the podcast to evaluate that. Yeah. And, and you know, you can throw out the, this is kind of a business mindset into this uh, land ownership because you you got to look at your return on your investment. And so, you know, if, if you've got a farm and you have a certain amount of money to put into that farm every year, don't you want that money to make the biggest impact? And um, what we see uh, sometimes... Um, and, and if you're a new listener, this podcast is not going to hit the biggest craze or really try to jump in and, and kind of hit the trendy things. We're really trying to look at it from the biggest impact that you can make for the better of the land. And and uh, when you look at your expenses, there's so many expenses and so much money put into things that don't amount to a hill of beans when it comes to actually making an impact on that farm. And... um from from I'll our business this. standpoint, we're coming at it not only from habitat consultants and habitat um, managers, but we're also looking at it from a business mindset and going, okay, if 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 I'm in your shoes, businesses don't last when you have more expenses year after year after year than return. Um, and so in land ownership, it's not necessarily going to be income. It may just be return as far as, you know, are you, are you meeting your goals with, with your harvest objectives or are you, uh, you bettering the land where you're seeing more wildlife and your family's getting to enjoy the farm more? Um, all that can be looked at as income or just return from your initial investment. I think that oftentimes some of the best marketing or, or like the term, what let's determine phrase is not probably something you would hear us say a lot, but the sex sells, but antlers sell as well. Like yeah. the marketing that goes behind all of this, this technology and new products and all this stuff. It's incredible the way it tries to like suck you in. Oh. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of times that we just get totally sucked in and then we, we just forget, like we put like the goals and then the budget and all these things kind of in the past and the wayside because we're simply just looking at the marketing and the the extremely well done job that it that it it, it traps us basically. 
And it's like, okay, this podcast is to goes to show, okay, these are the goals. This is what we want to avoid and not be sucked into. And here's the truth. Here's the facts. Buying this over that is going to get you there. And a lot of these are, are absolutely again, very, very common products and, that get released new every single year. I, and I, I know that like technology changes quickly. Yeah. And it's a it's a fast moving target that a lot of people are staying on pace with. Mm-hmm. But in all reality, if a trail camera takes a picture of a deer consistently and you can get it. Does it have to be two megapixels better? Is is that difference in technology going to change the way you hunt or be successful on property? And why is it worth spending now additional this new release of year two hundred more dollars on that? Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. get it. I don't either. And but, also, but I don't think we slow down enough to to evaluate that. Let, though. I guess we should make it clear too, because this is a podcast where we're we're giving you a look at how we look at our farms and how we manage it and, and making those assumptions and going, is it worth buying those trail cameras that shoot crazy good videos that are $250 more than the cheaper ones that capture good photos and send it to me in my email or are reliable and they're going to last uh, several years. Um, we don't, we really look at it as going, okay, where can you shave the fat and, and accomplish our goals and change the direction of, you know, how many times do you guys wish to have different, um, outcomes in your hunting season, but year after year after year, you make the same purchases, you, you put your money, you know, let's just be honest. We all have a certain amount of money that we can use and we can put it into all these different things and, how many times do we wish for different results, but we do the same thing? I mean, I think it was Einstein that said that that's the definition of insanity. So, um, we're really well, trying coming from experience of, we all grew up in the, the craze of the hunting shows and all of the marketing gimmicks and seeing these new product, this new secret product that was going to help us kill a giant deer. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Things like the acorn cruncher. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? And, and that, that was a cheaper. I didn't yeah, think, the, I didn't think we were going to say brands, Matt. I think that's a pretty obvious Oh, one. that was a product. That was a product. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's one of those, that, I mean, we grew up in the heyday of hunting shows on, on outdoor oh, yeah. stuff where it's like there was always a new gimmick. You've yeah. got to find ways to sell products to people. And yep. it was a marketing <clears throat> scheme of getting people to spend a bunch of money on stuff. That well, and also really pull the curtain back, take a peek, take a peek, because you have to also remember that, you know, the, the endorsements that are going on with some of these items that we'll list out here are um, from people who aren't paying for that actual product. They're being paid to promote that product. And so if somebody's showing up to your property and telling you that this is the greatest thing or or you're watching them and they're saying this is what you need to manage it and this is how you're going to improve it and this is how you're going to make a huge impact, you also have to kind of always take it with a grain of salt of going, are they being paid to say this or do they truly believe in it? And, and, and that's coming from people 
us who who do have some sponsorships like we totally understand both sides of it yeah I don't want to sit, you hey. have to make you you, you got to pay the bills but at the same time if there's a you know if you see okay if you see that person or that scenario that company that they just have hopped from one to the next to the next that kind of shows a line of okay maybe they don't truly believe in the product because you want to find you always want to take that with a grain of salt but find the items that are products that that person would be using year after year after year um especially when it comes to managing your farm well, Some I mean, of those smaller items aren't that big of a deal, but when it comes to the big items, yeah, that's definitely something you want to make sure your 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 investment is worth it. Find stuff that works and stick with it, and you'll you'll see through the podcast today as we're evaluating this stuff. A lot of it, it really doesn't make a difference. It really doesn't change the way we're going to approach and and most likely change the effectiveness of our hunting strategy but in comparison if we spend that money on different habitat management tools or techniques we can absolutely drastically impact and change not only from year to year season to season but from 5 10 20 years out situations we're making that long <clears throat> or that big of an impact. So I'm excited to start going through these things. Yeah. You want to start at the top? Yeah. One thing that I mentioned too, when it comes to this management, so we're going to base this podcast off of a lot of, a lot of our listeners are deer hunters. And so, uh, when we start listing these out, um, you know, we're, we're making the comparison of some of these lists are, uh, a hunting item versus getting something that's actually managing your property. And I think it comes back to that whole, like if if you're picking a farm or you've got your farm and you're going out and you're scouting and trying to find what the deer are doing and and you're just like ah they're they're showing up at night a lot and I'm just trying to figure out where they're going and where they're coming that's a very defensive type of hunting style where you're trying to just hunt the deer by the way they're moving so you're just like trying to stay out of this area so I know they're going to move through here um but you're you're just playing defense and trying to figure out where they're going if you implement some of the stuff we're talking, we'll talk about later in this podcast, you can really manipulate the deer and improve the habitat to where you almost get to play offense to where no longer are you going out trying to scout and figure out where the deer are coming from. Are they coming from this neighbor, that neighbor, where are they coming across the property lines? If you implement the plan or you implement some of the work, you're like, I know they're right there because I bought my chainsaw and I ran and put a three-quarter acre bedding thicket right over that hill on that little knoll down on the spine of that ridge or wherever, and that's where the deer are. I'm getting them on camera. I know they're there. Now I'm playing offense because I've done the habitat work to put the deer where I want them. And so many times you hear that of scouting, trying to find where the deer are at when when really couple even one season of doing the work and you can drastically change where the deer are are at on your property i think that there's it's a all in all there's a direct correlation between actually making an impact by manipulating the habitat versus purchasing heavily marketed merchandise that will yield the same type of results that you would get from manipulating the habitat yeah all right, so this first one, 
as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, that's no shocker that that's at the top of the list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, man, I, I don't know what a deer mount costs. Uh, I'm guessing it's, I'm not a big deer head guy. In fact, the one I killed two years ago is a European mount. So, um, I think it's like probably anywhere from three fifty five hundred fifty bucks. I, I'm going to say on up to six hundred in, in some areas. Okay, for for top quality well, stuff. Regardless, which is great. I mean, that's what some people. That's that's a big part of it. But it, you know, having the deer heads, having those memories on the wall. But if you're shooting a deer that you know you've got several other deer that are probably bigger, that's a great chance to sit back and say. Should I really spend the money to get that shoulder mount, to get that pedestal mount, or do I just European mount that one and buy a chainsaw? I, I mean, he, here's the thing. You can spend $500 on a mount. You can remember the hunt, which is, again, like you said, fantastic. Or you buy a $500 chainsaw, which is going to get you a really nice chainsaw, you can, if you maintain that chainsaw, run it for years and years and years and years and cut, I, I don't even say how many trees, thousands and thousands and thousands of trees, but acres, acres of, timber. of TSI, bedding thickets, edge feathering, road maintenance, you name it, that chainsaw, that same $500 will allow you to do all that work, complete it, with that tool versus putting a deer head on the wall that your wife probably isn't going to like. <laughs> and that, that's the truth of it. And it's like, you can create so many more hunting opportunities with that chainsaw, <clears throat> but you can't create necessarily more hunting opportunities because you put the deer in the wall. There's nothing wrong with deer mounts, not saying anything against them. We're just saying if you're, if you're the guy who is sitting there, trying to make the biggest improvements and changes and you're thinking, Oh man, my taxidermy bill is going to be that high, but I still want to get bigger deer. Maybe don't have the taxidermy bill. Yep. Maybe just say, I'm going to lot that money to a new chainsaw. Yeah. And I mean, think about all the things you can use a chainsaw for in the words of one of my f- most memorable bosses. If you can't cut it with a chainsaw, it ain't worth cutting. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean how it, many times if 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 you were asking us you know you know of course we're in timber country so it's a little bit different but even those guys in far west kansas or or uh oklahoma where trees are limited they still have trees and they still have bad mm-hmm. trees that need cut um, mm-hmm. i don't know if there's a tool that we would probably use through more months out of the year than a chainsaw Correct, correct. The, the the window in which you can use one and the number of ways in which you can use one far outweigh prescribed fire. Yeah. I love prescribed fire, and you can use prescribed fire extremely effectively and cover a whole heck of a lot more acres, but the window is just smaller. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, you know, we use that steel... What is it? MS? No, 261CM, I believe is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. About which ten, is, which ten and a half the, pounds, uh, lots, of, lots of engine power. It's a professional grade chainsaw, but, you know, you can go with the 271 uh, Farm Boss. Farm Boss and just be a madman. Mm-hmm. Put that 18 inch bar and let her go, go to town. 
Chad, any chainsaw Chad, you surely have some comment on chainsaws. He's speechless over here. He's just like, really uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, um, that's a big one. Uh, you hear a lot of guys that talk about their taxidermy bill, and it's like, ah, man, you could have it so much better if you just take one year and buy a chainsaw. Uh-huh, yep. Next one up. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a thing on chainsaws. All right. You can uh, save the money from the mount, put it towards chainsaws, and may in turn kill a bigger deer from that work yeah. that you do want to mount. Yeah. That's the, that's the whole point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you may do work that, that increases the productivity of the farm to the point where two or three years down the line you kill one that's 30 inches bigger than the one that you thought about getting mounted in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then one thing to say about chainsaws also is I've had this talk is do you buy, you know, an entry level, not necessarily a name brand, just a, a cheaper one um, that's not got orange in it? Um <laughs> And yeah, uh, I mean, because the two main chainsaw companies that you think of are both of them have orange in them. Um, and so you go with a different color and do you buy a brand new one of those or do you go with a used of, of, of an orange variety? I would probably go used of the orange variety um, versus a, a, a name brand. Uh, there's been a, a lot of trees cut down with the pole and wild thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there have. There have, there has, but, but there's been long. a lot of yanking on a on a start uh, on a starter on that. And, uh, yeah, no, no thanks, no thanks. No. And and there's a lot Nothing. of guys trembling. Their hands are still shaking from running one of those all day too. Yeah, absolutely. The the thing that I gotten to the point of, if you're gonna run something, and you're gonna rely on it a lot. Just buy right initially. Don't and, try and, and make something work that's just not going to work as well. Buy yeah. what you need and then run it and work it hard, and it will do everything you ask it to do. Yeah. Next one up, sprayer setup versus wow. a new bow. New bows are 1000 bucks now, and, you know, <laughs> I got to say here's, this. Here's I got to say this one real quick when it comes to the new bow. Just because the guy on TV says this is the best bow I've ever shot and he said the same thing last year maybe not doesn't mean that it is the best show he ever best bow he ever shot. You know, here's one thing that I cannot wrap my head around is all like the new bows they get released come was it October time frame like right in the middle of hunting season I'm seeing all these people swapping bows and setups and everything during October, November time frame. Like, dude, there's no way that I'm going to be doing all that switching and changing and be spending a thousand dollars during the middle of hunting season. Yeah, and the sprayer. Bro. So the sprayer setup that we use is right at five hundred fifty, six hundred bucks. It it's a sixty gallon, five foot boom on it with boomless nozzles on the end. You can spray. Is it and five? Spray. I thought it was four foot. It it might be four, four, or five. Yeah. Might be four. It, it's technically called an air quote boomless sprayer, but it's got a small little four or five foot boom, but it sprays a thirty foot swath. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you could and buy it has a wand. Yeah, you could buy that setup and two really nice backpack sprayers 
and still be under the cost of a bow, a brand new bow. And this kind of goes back, honestly, this this podcast piggybacks the are you a producer or consumer? And a lot of these comparisons are, are the consumer versus the producer kind of mindset and the way you could be spending that money. And I think this one is a perfect example. New bow, and we all know that most of these bows that everyone has in their hands these days are 100% effective at killing deer. You just got to put the arrow where the arrow needs to go. But how much, how many different ways can a sprayer be used? And how many different months out of the year can a sprayer be used? We're oh, talking man. food plots, invasives, old field management, pasture. Uh, I mean, it goes I, endless. I think what would really hit home for a lot of people with a, when in sprayer sense is think of the hourly wage you would be saving. If you, if you put the hours spent for yourself towards your a wage you think of the hours we spent when we just had a backpack sprayer and we're spraying food plots with that oh the hours and hours that we can now spray all of our food plots in one day yeah 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 easily easy and it's like you think of that where it's like you you think of just just the ease of use yeah it's it's great but then you start thinking it up figuring it up as far as hourly wage if you were paying yourself to do that, what makes more sense? Yeah. Buy it right and use it and yeah. then move on. I, I had a text from a, a client today. He was, um, he's got a larger farm, but this is the first time um, that he purchased a drill. And he's like, I can't tell you how much time I saved. He goes, I got done in four hours what would have taken me in my previous management and setup for food plots 15 hours no i'm like there's some efficiency there and not only that but all the conservation of the soil and putting the seed at the right depth this and that yeah however time equals money yeah and that's exactly what you're saying chad is evaluate how long it takes time to do it put a salary on that an hourly wage it makes sense in the the like effectiveness as well if uh-huh. you have a great sprayer setup, you can actually know where you're spraying as opposed to walking through with a backpack sprayer and having spots missed every time. Yeah. Every time we sprayed with a backpack sprayer, we had to go back through and hit the spots we missed. It was yeah. a guarantee. Yep. Next up, why buying feed? Why are you buying feed and mineral or supplemental feed? When you could hire a fire crew to implement a prescribed fire and manage way more acres of your farm, um, then did, did you did you hear those toes crunch? Uh, ouch! Oh. <laughs> I just like you know that's that's one thing that yeah in our in our county we're still we can still use mineral we can still do feed we can still do all that currently uh, that may change soon with CWD but. Um, and and we put out a little bit of feed just to get some good pictures uh, of donuts and a couple bucks this summer, but that was maybe two three weeks, um, not a very long time. But you know, when you look at some of these farms that we visit or people we talk to, where they're where they start supplemental feeding um, with some sort of 
protein in January or February and they feed all the way to deer season or even through deer season with corn, you just think about the bill that they have of buying. You remember, and oh, you remember the guy I told you about that told me on Facebook he spent 15 grand a year in feed. It just, oh, yeah, it's 15 grand. And that was in a state where the the winners are. He he justified it that he needed to do that to get his deer through the winter, and he was in a state where the winters are pretty mild. Oh, oh. Well, you, we, think that's about th- this. Is why are you buying that? Because, and if you're listening, like to me, this is. I, I'm going to make a sales pitch here, Matt. If you're spending fifteen grand on a uh on your farm email us info at lanalegacy.tv i would love the opportunity to come to your farm assist you and cut that bill out and still make a bigger impact on your farm for years down the road than continuing to dump money into feeders and you know what we ought to call them instead of deer feeders we ought to call them coon feeders yeah well there's, there's a lot of non-targets that that do Obviously, predator feeders. Oh, you, you you enjoy feeding predators? Because so, how many? I want you to think about listeners. I want you to think about this. When you have your feeders out, how many pictures? Take a take a two week window and say, okay, I'm going to tally mark every time I see pictures of raccoons, possums, coyotes, some non target, non game animal falls in the predator category. How many times I see them versus deer, and I'd be, I'd put, I'd put a decent amount of money to say that I think people would be shocked to know how many raccoons uh, are visiting their feeders that they just kind of zip through those photos. Well, you got to think about the crows as well, depending on the type of feeders that you oh, have. Oh yeah, <clears throat> um, even morning doves, everything they're consuming all of this food and benefiting from it certainly, um, but but there is a uh, certainly a lot to be said about just evaluating how much native forage can be, be produced per acre with quality habitat. But then you got to look at, okay, if that native forage is present, it's cover as well. Oh, and yeah. there's not one pile of corn big enough that it's producing cover on a place for something to hide around. Yeah. You don't get nearly the same benefit. You're only getting food and a place where you put your trail camera and that's it whereas going to yep. you know hiring a fire crew you can turn acres and acres and acres into quality food and cover yep. this was just i mean it's a it's a wild example 15 grand but could you imagine if you had 15 grand a year to spend towards actually benefiting your habitat Oh my gosh! I'm, I, I'm I don't even. I'm sitting here trying to think. How would I spend fifteen grand? <laughs> I don't know, man. I would just I mean... be like, I don't know. You know, growing up a poor, poor farm kid, I'm thinking fifteen grand to to spend on feed for deer. Oh my gosh! I'm licking my chops, going, well, I buy a chainsaw, a sprayer, a four wheeler, and I'll hire a crew and we'll TSI the whole freaking farm. It'd be amazing. <laughs> And that's just one year. I know. Yeah, it I'm looks over, if you think over five years, how much money 
and, and, and just, the, you know, evaluating time and as a resource and money as a resource, the improvements that can happen if that is if that is subtracted out of a, a yearly can, bill. That's deer goggles, you know, Chad. That right there is deer goggles. Matt, you haven't even heard me talk about that. Chad and I were talking about this the other day, but, you know, we all know the phrase beer goggles. Um, okay. and you see fuzzy and you can't see straight and you can't think straight. And, and I'm calling that deer goggles from the standpoint of you, you almost look at a deer, you know, you have deer goggles when you look at the deer, almost the same way you look at like your first crush where everything she did was, was great and she could do no wrong. And it didn't matter what happened. You just were drooling all over yourself at her and a deer broke your heart. And Yeah. And a deer is like that where it's like, oh, they're the best. Like, they're amazing. They, everything they do, they're just, you think about them nonstop. Everything you do on your farm is for their benefit. And everything else gets so neglected because you're focused on that one thing, that one deer, because you got deer goggles on. And 15 grand for feet is having deer goggles. Whamma, multiple layers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we, what's what's this next guy here? Um Native seed Native? versus food plot seed. Yes. Now, we love food plots. Obviously, we talk about strat seed all the time. And, guys, we don't just say it because they're a company that came to us and said, we want to partner. But they came to us and said, let's build the blends that you guys want. So we did that. But at the same time, the price point where, guys, we bought seed for years and years and years. And I've used some of the most expensive seed out there for years. And food plot seed bills can rack up fast. So we love Stratton when they came to us and told us their prices because they were so, I mean, we're talking a forage soybean roundup ready for 40 bucks a bag, give or take a few dollars. I mean, that is just incredible. And it was like, man, we, we love food plots. We plant them like crazy. But... We also have places that we planted years ago, specifically Chad and I, um, years and years ago, where it's like, oh, this is a little opening, let's plant it. It never does very good at all. It's a mediocre food plot. It's crap. And we continued to plant it, and now it's like, let's just let it go fallow. Or, better yet, if we've, if it's a really old food plot on the farm, it's been plowed and plowed and plowed and plowed. And we stopped that roughly 10 years ago or eight years ago. And so now um, it's like, I'm not sure the natives are going to be there that we want. Let's go ahead and plant, you know, let's spend 150 bucks an acre and plant natives that are highly productive, great forage, great bedding. And I never have to plant it, fertilize it, do anything to it again, except burn it. Or if the grasses get too rank, dormant season disc it. Think about the expense. You know, I, I think it's Craig Harper. And some of his research says that it's roughly $300 per acre to plant food plots. Depends on if you're doing the soil amendments correctly or appropriately or actually doing them. Um, and depending on what kind of food plot seed. But, you know, just throw out 300 bucks an acre. That's every single year. But you put in natives, depending on which blend, anywhere from 115 to even 500 if you're doing monarch it's way more but just a simple diverse blend you're looking probably in that same price range and you never but, but have to time. plant it again but also here's the kicker 
there's government cost share that cuts that price way down. You can sign up for pollinator programs and stuff yeah. like that and get those planted for you. Yeah. And so then your your seed cost is way, way less. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's one of those aspects of it's so hard to get over the initial like bill and say, oh, my gosh, that's just like three hundred dollars an acre to plant that. But when you compare food plots and you're like, OK, well, it's only one hundred dollars in seed. Oh, well, it's only one hundred dollars in fertilizer. Oh, well, it's only one hundred dollars in lime. We forget to add all those things up per acre and realize that, oh, 300 is yeah for the food plots and is it's, just for this year. It's 300 tw- for the twenty dollars in, in in diesel fuel to plant it every year. It's uh, I have to rent the drill and that's I got to spray it too. Ten dollars, yeah. So all that coming into it, and you're like, yikes. And old fields or diverse fields prairies are some of the most limited ecosystems or habitat types that we find across that's across the country you just don't see it very often and it's one of the most productive mm-hmm. so what are we waiting on why are we why are we buying that i don't know yeah um next What's one that? fire gear versus an out of the state out of state tag you know, a drip torch, hundred, hundred and fifty bucks. If you want to get the uh, Nomex, that gets pretty expensive. Chad, you wear Nomex on every single fire you've ever been on, correct? <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah, you wear it when you when you're with the government, but when you're on the farm, you don't. So I wear it when I'm getting a paycheck. I rebel when I'm not. <laughs> So, you know, fire typical gear. Typical government play. <laughs> typical, like, clothes, not that important. Radios would be a a, a need. Uh, but you can use your sprayer and then, of course, a backpack blower, another 500 bucks. But how many? How much are out-of-state tags? Depends on where you're going. But, you know, one elk hunt. I think a lot of guys, a lot of our listeners go on elk hunts. But how many of them go on an elk hunt every single year? There's still a good portion of them. Maybe one year you take the year off and you save that. 12 to two thousand dollars and you buy all this fire gear and you enjoy your family farm or your property that you're hunting on uh fixing it up with taking that one year off Mm-hmm. yeah pretty, absolutely you know it's just pretty, pretty simple pretty simple yep um next up qdma membership versus the newest pack a new a newest pack of broadheads man you know this one it's like okay guys what QVM membership, what do do I get? Well, you get access to one great information through the magazine, but then you're just helping conservation for the resource itself. It's $35. I think Bass Pro kicks in a $25 gift card. But then even on top of that, you're looking at the broadhead. No. Okay. What's 35 bucks? Really not that much. But, but the point is, Every broadhead, if you if you use it appropriately and hit your mark, is going to kill the deer. But why are we forcing ourselves to feel like that extra hardness, degree of hardness on the steel blade? New steel. Is New steel. Yeah. It's like, if you're not a QDMA member, shame on you. 
Forget about the pack of broadheads. If, you're just use what you got. If you or make sure be you smart about it reasons. and buy them, buy them after both seasons over at Walmart when they're yeah. half off. Yeah, there's there's ways to get you. I'd be shocked, Chad, if many people shoot silver strikes like you. But <laughs> I've been getting the the top high end broadheads at Walmart half off at the end of the year every year. That's awesome. There's there's just there's no excuse, one, for not being a QDMA member, but it just we're looking at the price comparison here. That newest pack of broadhead probably isn't going to change again whether you are in the right stand or not, but maybe some more information and education about the whitetail as a resource itself will help you do that. Yeah. All and, right. hey, those, those silver strikes can – Wax the deer. I killed well. a pretty good one with with silver strike back in the day. Um, next one up, man. This is a this is a very popular one. Dozer work for new food plots when you're not even maximizing the ones you have. I'm even guilty of this one. I think we could all. A lot of people are guilty of this one. Is we're like, ah, I want to I want to create a new food plot. I want to expand another food plot. I want to go do this or I want to go do that. When really. You're not even maximizing the current plots. I don't know what it costs where you're at for dozer work, but let's just say it's it's going to cost a thousand bucks to doze in a doze in a full acre uh, in your timber, and you try to do multiple acres. It gets pretty expensive pretty fast, and so um, dozer work. Yikes! It's really going to have to really going to have to justify it to me for me to say, yep, let's do it. And how many times do you see it where it's a flat ridge? We got to put a food plot here. We don't have many food plots. Man, you could just well, maybe buy a chainsaw first. Maybe you <laughs> buy a couple of chainsaws and have your buddies run them with you. Um, yeah, that just... flat ridge can get really, really attractive to wildlife with a few hours in the chainsaw. Mm. Yeah. Yep. That one's that you see that a lot, so consider that before you go and start trying to fire up that dozer. Um, oh man, why are you buying trees to plant? Just sorry, did that come out? Um, no, you you said it. Why are you buying trees to plant when you got trees to cut? (laughs) We don't hate trees, we don't. We talk so much about cutting trees. We you know don't. what? I, yeah, here, here's here's where the rubber meets the road with trees because I get accused, and I know you do too, of hating trees because we preach so much about cutting them. I don't hate trees. I just want I want trees healthy trees. Benefit. Yeah, I want exactly. I want healthy trees. And if you can evaluate the health of timber or trees in a given woodlot, you will find a lot of them look pretty daggum. A poor. lot of a lot of forests let's, let's are. Are, we hate we hate junk trees. Yeah, I hate unhealthy junk trees, invasive trees, trees that aren't managed. They might as well be, you know, crop fields that are planted at twice the rate that they're supposed to be planted. You wouldn't see an ag farmer going out and planting corn at double the rate or soybeans at double the rate. And a lot of our woodlots, even across the country, are overstocked and undermanaged, and and so. If you're not cutting some of those trees, thinning those trees, um, and creating healthier trees, you know, we talk about this so much, cutting trees, but and people might think that we hate trees. 
But by golly, I'll put our our trees up against uh, a lot of trees in the state for our, ours growing faster, healthier, creating more oxygen. Just overall, they grow so much faster when they have more nutrients, and they produce more it's, acorns. It's 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 fact. And, and here's the thing that I, I, I about planting a, a tree that is a mass producing tree. I promise you the trees that are growing that are 60 years old, if they are healthy, will like always outproduce the ones that you planted because they probably, it's going to take 15 years to get a really, 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 really solid production out of the ones you planted versus ones that are already established and have so much more nutrient collection capacity and a big, large root system and a healthy, big canopy than what you planted a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but what about sawtooths? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't even know where to begin on sawtooths. There's so many of them that get planted, and it just hurts my soul. It hurts my heart, especially when you go to a national convention, you see a state agency handing out sawtooth, sawtooth oaks for everybody to go plant. They should be slapped and fired. <laughs> and we might as well hand. I wish I would have put them right next to um, Travis that we had on the podcast, his booth, Corteva, uh, where they handle mm-hmm. a herbicide and be like, when you plant that tree, come back, come back in two years and dab a little bit of this herbicide on it because it, <laughs> you don't need it. Anyway. Oh. Okay, here's another one. Why buy new blinds when you're missing the essential land management equipment? So we've listed chainsaw sprayer, fire equipment, things like that. Um, so if you're trying to every year, I need to buy another new blind. I need to buy another blind. I need to do this. When, ah, man, as much as we love blinds and we use them not only in just comfort, but put them in scenarios when the wind might be as, uh, not as consistent, they're crucial in our hunting strategy. But... If it if it if it if it came down to do I need new blinds or I need to go buy my first chainsaw my first sprayer my first this I'm buying the chainsaw and sprayer and all that stuff first because I'm gonna make a bigger impact with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, next one up. Um, oh, why buy a no-till drill, a crimper, or any other food plot implements to improve or manage? My property, when my food plot to food plot acres to actual total acres ratio is drastic to where my food plots are less than 5% of the property, why do I buy a no-till drill or a crimper or all these thousand and thousand and thousand dollar pieces of equipment? Why, why buy them? Why are you buying that when it just really at- only scratches the surface on your total acres? Well, yeah, scratches the surface. Those acres do have a potential to produce a lot of food and fun hunting opportunities. However, those pieces of equipment sit idle and take up space way more than they actually are used. They're great pieces of equipment from an efficiency standpoint, but you can rent a drill. You can rent a drill. Rent it. For way cheaper. USDA offices, almost, I don't know how many counties across the country, but a lot. 
even even our home county where our farm is has one and i can promise you it ain't a very rich county and we have a couple of them you can always rent almost always rent a no-till drill at a local usda office and plant your food plots i it's amazing to me the people i see buying not just like a drill but like crimpers and all kinds of stuff that that plant maybe 10 acres oh, because God. they're convinced that that's going to be the secret. I can assure you it's not. I guess they think that like they're going to build so much organic matter that it's going <laughs> to roll over into the timber and produce more acorns or something. <laughs> yeah. oh. Hey, it could happen. <laughs> they're going to grow so much dirt that it's going to go over the tops of the trees by the end of it. Yeah. Two or three years. Yeah. We're going to build the prairie soils back just with this lack of herbicide use. Okay, whatever you say. Um, next one, should you buy a tractor or a UTV? Um, you know, that's a that's a great debate um, and a great conversation, a great question. Uh, when you have a farm, you always try to figure out, like, how can I make the biggest improvement? Which one am I going to be able to use more? And it all depends on the actual farm and which and what the farm layout looks like. Because there's a lot of farms where I would rather buy a UTV and have the sprayer and have a, a colt packer, um, whirlwind seeder, and I'm going to make more of an impact than I would if I had a tractor. But in other instances, a tractor with a bucket and a bush hog and a disc, yikes, you can do a lot of stuff with that too. And so, you know, and it may be a couple-step process where if first you buy the farm, you've got a box blade, you've got a bucket, and you fix all the roads up and you do all this maintenance, and then you sell that and then turn around and get a UTV and all this other equipment uh, and sprayer. So, you know, similar similar to a drill – Tractors can be rented and yeah. tractors can be sit a lot. And, 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 and it's like, wait till you have a lot of work that needs to get done. Rent a tractor for, for two days. There's no maintenance that you have to really do on that piece of equipment, but bundle up the work, get it done, spend a couple hundred dollars, if that, on renting the piece of equipment. And then you don't have to pay interest and all this other stuff on the tractor for it to sit there nine times out of ten mm-hmm. or or here's an incentive to get to know your neighbors mm-hmm. they're like-minded if one of them's got a tractor say hey i'll buy your seed if you'll plant mine too and yeah. we'll work together to plant all of them yep absolutely a lot yep. of people have tractors for sure all right next up why buy more stands when the stands you have are in bad places or they just don't have the habitat enhancement around it to where it is a consistently good stand. You could also ask, why are you buying tree stands or trying to buy more and more stands when you could buy a saddle, bounce around, save some money, and use that for some of these other land management um, tools that we mentioned, chainsaw sprayer, backpack blower, drip torch? I think when you look at, like, overall efficiency and this is very very hard to do because it's like the balance of i want to spend time hunting and in the woods but a lot of times if we were honest with ourselves there's a lot of days that we probably shouldn't go and those you tend to go to marginal stands and you probably don't have that much success there so it's like why are you spending more time 
and money for new sets when you your farm if you thought about it probably has 10 really good stands do the work in and around those areas to make them the most productive hunt the right winds hunt the right conditions and you'll still have the exact same success most likely than if you tried to buy 15 new stands and spread it all across the the farm and then not have money left over to do the habitat improvements in the first place yeah for sure last one i had on here that's not really a purchase but it's more of the timing because you know there's a certain time of the year where when you're doing tsi it is so so beneficial immediately as well as into the future and it's like why are you shed hunting when you should be cutting trees (laughs) Because how, I mean, if you were going to ask me my favorite time of the year to do timber stand improvement or forest stand improvement, I'd tell you January, February, March. And that's when a lot of people are shed hunting. And I get asked all the time, you guys found any sheds? Yeah, not really, because we're cutting trees. Well, here's, here's the thing. You can still find sheds when you're cutting trees. Yeah. But you can't cut trees if you're intentionally just going out to shed hunt. Nope. Just saying. Nope. Not at all. So that pretty well wraps up our, our list of, of things, items to weigh out. Why are you buying that? Um, because, you know, let's just open up our step out of the box and look at this and say, how can I drastically change my hunting success um, and not do the same old, same old? And, and let's make a bigger bang for our buck, no pun intended. Um because, man, you can waste a lot of money and not have any better success than you did when you weren't spending, when you just showed up and you didn't have any money into it. I think I think that's definitely the, the case is we just fall into this, the, the death trap of marketing and, and um, thinking that these these things are really going to make my hunting that much better. Yeah. The greatest cameras out there the greatest um tree stands out there this and that you know as a hunter you still have to make the decision of where to sit and where to place that trail camera and when to go hunting they might tell you a little bit more make you sit a little bit more comfortable but all in all you're still the one making the decision so go learn your property spend time out there manage it with the resources that you have and you'll be way more efficient in hunting that property than purchasing all these random new technologies and products that are going to allow for you. Yep. Hey guys, if you are, um, if this kind of open up your mind and you, you're kind of like, man, I've never really thought about it that way. Head over to our land, our website, land and click on the consulting tab. We've got various options for you, um, to help you on your farm, improve it for years and years and years to come Uh, just recently released this past uh, i guess off season is our virtual property evaluation Uh, much more affordable rates where uh, we can sit down in an online classroom look through photos look through comparison photos maps and get you squared away uh, to where um, your property can be way better off than it was three months ago and so uh, check it out land and legacy dot tv fellows great conversation guess what we still got to do this again over on the podcast number two for the week yes sir so forward to it guys thank you so much for listening we'll catch you next week